Hi, I'm Madeline Quigley. I'm Matt Quigley. And this is Dad Teaches Me About Wine. So, here we are. Episode 5. Did you turn it on yet? Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, episode 5. This is a bit of a day of... Uh, this is a bit of dedication, I think, for both of us doing this today. I think we're both kind of a little... Uh, under the weather. Under That's one way of putting it. I was at a Halloween party last night. That shout out to my friend Lizzie. She threw an amazing Halloween party, and I had a blast. So my night, I was at a party, but what were you doing last night, Dad? Well, last night, your mother and I enjoyed a fabulous meal at the Twisted Frenchman in Pittsburgh, sponsored by our children. Yeah, we picked up the bill for once. In honor of our 30th anniversary. So we had a 21-course meal. Yeah, 21 courses. And I brought three different uh, wines to accompany the the courses. Uh Uh-huh. And... We had a lovely time, but it was a long evening. It was four and a half hours. Four and a half hours of of eating. eating and drinking wine. Yeah. And they brought you, mom says they gave you like a glass of champagne to toast to. Yes, they did. They brought us, they were very kind and brought us a glass of champagne. Were they having trouble getting the cork out of the bottle because it was an old bottle of wine? They were having trouble getting the cork out because on attempting to remove the cork, the cork got shot into the bottle. Yeah, that's so no good. it was a matter of extracting the wine without winding up with a million cork fragments. Did it break apart when it landed in the? Fortunately, not. Fortunately, the cork was actually in pretty good shape. How did it get in there? Well, the the wine itself was um, over twenty five years old, so she was attempting to use a prong type. Um, cork removing device which is different than a corkscrew it's supposed to be better for older corks um, but sometimes you can inadvertently push the cork down into the bottle as opposed to removing the cork yeah well mom said they strained it and it was fine yes it was it was wonderful it was a 27 year old uh, Batard Montrachet, so it was a uh, exquisite bottle of wine. Yeah, and then you guys had um, a cab and a bottle of Pisoni wine, which yeah. Pisoni, we shouted out Pisoni last week. Pisoni Pinot. Pinot My dad Noir. has a crush on Pisoni, yeah. And a, um, a uh, kind of cult uh, California cab called 100 Acres. Cool, and all these were... Fancy wines, fancy yes. wines. Yes. Did so? Did Upscale they have? Wines. So, uh, the, did their sommelier? Uh, did he like your wines? I would think so. Yeah. And I gave uh, gave Vanessa some wine to taste. Nice, very cool. Which uh, is actually a way of thanking your uh, either wait person or wine person because often. Especially if you order an expensive bottle of wine, they may not have ever tasted that wine before. Uh-huh. And it gives them an opportunity to expand their education. 
So if you order an expensive bottle, if someone helps you pick out an expensive bottle of wine, it is a nice gesture if they're doing a good job to let them have a small glass of the wine. Yes, to suggest that they may have a taste. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have to... Yeah, they they will not do that on their own. Yeah. Or at least they shouldn't. They shouldn't. So you should suggest, you should try some. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that sounds like a fun night. And speaking of tasting wines, uh, what are we, what do we got here in front of us? What are, what am I drinking? So what are we having today? Yeah. Here, I'll hand that to you. So uh, we're having a muscadet, uh, which is... Is that a type of grape? ...described surly. And it's a Chateau de uh, la Argentière. Um, and no, it's not French. a type of grape at all. It is a type of wine. Um, the This is from France. Correct. Chateau gave it away. Uh, there's no varietal on the front of this label. The varietal does not appear anywhere on the bottle. So you just got it. And I, I'm going to even say Chateau de la Ajardet or whatever. That's the producer? Correct. Muscadet is the region? Muscadet is the type of wine it is. As we've what? discussed before in, in France, each sort of registered reason, uh, region yeah. has the wine that it produces. And this... Region. Like a Bordeaux or whatever. Right. This region is Muscadet, which is at the mouth of the Loire River. Uh-huh. So Muscadet is the region and the type of wine. Correct. And Surly, is that a particular vineyard? No. Surly is a method of making wine where the grapes are left on the lees. So it's Surly on the lees. And the lees are... What is a lee? You're not saying is, leaf incorrectly, are you? No. I'm saying lee, L-E-E. And that is what is left over when they press the juice out of the grape. So it is basically the skin. So they press it and then they let it chill in all of the other parts while Correct. it ages. So it gives it... it it's, it's thought you to... You get me. a lot of tannin in that? Potentially, if they leave stems on and things like that. But for this particular grape, there isn't very much tannin to begin with. So this wine is made from the Melon grape, which is a distant relative to the Chardonnay. So they just put, so to be a Muscadet, does it have to be surly or do they just put, so that's why they put that on there. Correct. Is that a good method? Like when you see. Well, for Muscadet, it it tends to be a good one because the wine itself um, is very light. So it adds more body and flavor. So he just put, they just put surly on there because they felt like it. Well, because they did it. Would you do surly and not put it on there? For this particular type of wine, it's considered beneficial. So normally they're going to uh, to let you know. Mom actually gave me a little spoiler when I was trying to figure out a type of wine the other day. She's like, you can tell by the bottle shape, Madeline. Is that true? Uh, oftentimes you can. Okay. Um, well, that, that can be a whole other episode right there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Today's episode is reading a wine list in a restaurant. 101.0010101. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Um, 
I did just brush my teeth before we recorded this episode. I'm not going to lie. So that was my initial reaction was probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have brushed my teeth. Just like toothpaste. Um, but it kind of has, it reminds me of, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, a Gewurz. Well, I would never tell you you were wrong in terms of what you taste because it's what you taste, not yeah. what I well, taste. Well, I taste the toothpaste, but uh, through that. I can see why you're, you mentioned it's like the crisp and... It, right, it's acidic. Uh-huh. So this is an acidic wine. and It's a um, white wine, peeps. It is an acidic white wine. Usually when we think of acidic wines, we usually think of white wines. You don't want acidic red wines, but in white wines, uh, they tend to... Uh, impart a freshness and uh, very bold flavors. So the crispness that you kind of get, that like sharp flavor in a wine, is that acid? It's often, yeah. Okay, so that's good to know. Like if someone's like, it's very acidic, it's kind of that like, it reminds me of a cider a little bit and that like, that like sharp Mm -hmm. sort of, yeah. Um, It's hard to describe wine flavors, especially when you don't know anything. So sharp is a word I'm going to throw around like four more times, I think. Well, it's always very difficult to translate one sensory experience into another, you know, to describe what you taste or describe what you see. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally a food writer, so you're telling me nothing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I, um, I thought this was a apropos wine for our discussion today about wine lists because... It is a wine which is very um, approachable, not only in terms of drinking, but also in terms of price. So uh, traditionally, Muscadet is a wine that is often paired with uh, uh, shellfish and seafood because of the part of the world in which the wine is made. Coast. Yes, it's, a, it, it's made near the, the coast of of France, so the uh, the fare tends to be um, seafood. Seafood, and they so, and the terroir is also good for growing these grapes out there. For the melon grape. So yeah. this, I'm guessing, is a cold weather grape. Uh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I thought sea breezes gotta be a cool weather grape. Well, it's certainly not a hot. Uh-huh. It's certainly not a... All right, a so you're there telling me now there's a lukewarm well, kind of type a neutral, of grape? You know, yeah, neutral, neutral grape, great. Cool. Just when you think you're learning, you're like, nope, here's a curveball. Uh, but the uh, traditionally, this wine uh, matches fantastically with uh, oysters and um, mussels and... Oh, so... And that, that type of seafood. We were at a restaurant call in Pittsburgh. We're just going to name drop so many Pittsburgh restaurants, aren't we? We were at Or the Whale in downtown Pittsburgh. And you we did you order a Muscadet? Mm-hmm. You ordered a Muscadet and you said to the sommelier, it makes me want oysters. This is the wine you were talking about? Yes. Okay, now that makes sense. At the time, I was just kind of like, Dad, don't annoy the sommelier. <laughs> Dad, shut up. <laughs> wine lists are not structured in any particular way, and it's up to the people in the restaurant who are setting up the wine. It's usually, from my experience, again, I'm usually looking in the price category, so I don't usually pay too much attention to other things, but um, it's usually in the like reds, whites, rosé is what I've found. Yes, normally they'll break it down into red, whites, rosé, and, uh, and sparkling bubblies. Um, and sometimes they'll be arranged in numerical order as far as the price. But if they don't do that, what are they doing? Um, 
sometimes they're listing things alphabetically. Sometimes the there appears to be no uh, order at all to the listing, and it may be just the way the wines were acquired. Okay. okay as far yeah. as some things, you know, come off the list, and then uh, other things appear. Okay. The description for each bottle of wine or glass of wine, what do they usually tell you? That, again, varies as well. Normally, at a minimum, you'll get the producer. Which so, means nothing. That means well, nothing. That means nothing to you, but it may mean something to other people who know a lot about wines. So okay. it's usually the producer. It will then be uh, typically what the wine is. Like a varietal? So in, in France, it'll be... Uh, a um, something like Muscadet and or Bordeaux in the United States it'll be Chardonnay yeah um, and then there'll be some further description uh, if there's any further information about the wine that's pertinent so if it's a single vineyard from Carneros it'll say Carneros district and then in parentheses give you the name of of the vineyard so that's telling you that the wine is specific to that area. Is Carneros in California? Yes. Would they also say California or would they just say Carneros? They would likely just say Carneros. Damn it. You really got to know a whole bunch, huh? Most of the time. But if it's a French wine, it, they may just say something like Pomade. And, if, and that's what? Well, Pomade is an area of Burgundy. And if it just oh, says Pomard, then that's a village wine, meaning it's a wine from that village, but has no standing otherwise. Um, so you'd want to know who the producer is, because you may know that producer as somebody who makes really quality wine. So the first thing would say the producer and then Pomard, and you'd be like, oh, this is from a subsection of Bordeaux. Bur- uh, Burgundy. Burgundy, sorry. They're, yes. They're confusing. And then you'd be like, oh, well, in Burgundy they make what what types of wines? So a pomard is going to be a Pinot Noir. And then, again, it may specify, and in France you have basically three different grades of, of wines being village wine, premier, and grand cru. Do they usually um, tell you the country? Or do you have to be like, well, that looks like a French word, that looks like a Spanish word? Uh, sometimes the list will break it down by country. Oh. So you'll see United States, France. Mm-hmm. Um, if the list is smaller, often it will not be broken down by country. And it's just, sometimes it can be random in terms of where, where things come from. They're all intermingled. From. Right. Um, the other way that restaurants will batch the wines is by kind of a general flavor profile. So they might say light and fruity. Um, Is that like helpful or good? Well, I think it's uh, it's to assist uh, people who require some help. Because clearly, if you know enough about wine, those type of headings are not going to be all that helpful yeah. to you. But if you don't know very much and you're just kind of trying to match some relatively inexpensive bottle with something that you ordered off the you know ordered for dinner, then that that may be of may be of help. Okay, so they basically will give you the probably red or white, sometimes the country, and then they will also 
give you the producer. Probably that's how the wine will be labeled. Well, at a minimum, you'll get the producer and a description of of the wine. Maybe where it came from. The year is usually on there too. And then, of course, the year. Yeah. Um, Sometimes the alcohol content. That will almost never appear on the wine list. Just trick trick question. You won. Anyways, um, so what what part what info what to make of that info like what part should i be focusing on the most the most the most or is it just kind of like wine where you got to understand a whole bunch of different things well i think uh what you're going to want to do is if it's a relatively large list there probably is somebody very knowledgeable who assembled it mm-hmm. so you don't want to be intimidated by the wine person, the sommelier. Uh, you they're want to, your friend. Well, they are, and they're getting paid to be your friend. <laughs> and to a certain extent, there is a natural inclination to feel as though they're trying to uh, have you up by in terms of the amount of money you might spend. But the easiest way to start the conversation with the sommelier is to simply tell them, you know, we're interested in this type of wine. Maybe tell him some wine that you've had in the past that you like so as to for him to establish some equivalency. And then you would tell him how much you would like to spend. Mm-hmm. So right up front, he knows what the he or she knows what the ground rules are. Yeah. And they should be able to help you get through the list. Yeah. Um, but there are certain wines that are going to, in general, are going to be more approachable financially than than others. Yeah. Okay. So even, but if the wine, the list is kind of short, should I be thinking about my meal, what I'm ordering? Because you, but you order the wine first. So should you just think about the type of restaurant you're in, or the mood you're in, or? Uh, this is why just picking it by the price is the easiest thing to do. <laughs> well, I think that um, it may seem like I'm ordering the wine before everything else, but I already know what I'm going to order Okay. from a food standpoint before I ever order the wine. So that's one thing to think about right. is like, okay, so I'm ordering red meat, for example. So maybe I want to get a red wine or something Traditionally, like that. Right. Traditionally, that's, that's done. So that should make my eyes go towards the red section. Sure. And then from there, what? how do I start to piece through all the stuff that's there? Well, here, you, here it requires a, a certain amount of knowledge uh, because if you're just given a list without any real geographic breakdown and you have no one to help you, then it is going to appear... Uh, very much like a foreign language. Yeah, because you're just going to have a whole bunch of producers on there in some regions. So I, right. So what you're going to want to do is establish what kind of wines that you like and what kind of wines that you can afford. Um, if you've been to the wine store, uh, you will find that there are, in general, certain types of wines that are you know, going to be very expensive, like some of these French Burgundies or Bordeaux's. But on the other hand, there are wines that are um, much more reasonable. So, for instance, uh, the Muscadet that we're having tends to be a $10 or $15 bottle of wine in the store. So that means if you order it on a wine list, it's probably going to be in the $25 to $30 range. So the markup is like 10 bucks. 
No, the markup is generally like double. Like 30 per, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Most wine lists, in general, it's, it's doubled. So you need to understand that the wine list is a way for a business with a very tight margin to be able to make some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it takes a lot of money to run a restaurant between the help and all of the... Yeah, I don't get how like any business makes money. Unless unless you sell alcohol. Like, I don't get how any business is you open. You mean restaurant? Business, period. Okay. Anything. Clothing stores. Any, I don't they should get all how, sell alcohol. They all need to sell. I don't get how they cover their costs, is yeah. what I'm saying. Well, especially uh, in a high-end restaurant, the, you know, people will balk at a 30 or $40 entree. But at the same token, if it's a top-end restaurant, you know, there's maybe 10 people who are involved in preparing that dish. So it costs a lot of money to run a restaurant, and the wine list is one way for them to recoup their yeah. costs. Um, there are restaurants, however, that are very wine-friendly and will either allow you to bring your own wine with a modest corkage fee, or their wine lists are have a fixed um, overhead. So they may just charge you $20 more than cost or something yeah. like that. Which makes it nice because then you can try wines that otherwise would be pretty prohibitive if you were to order them on a wine list. Can I just ask, like, do you like wine lists or like, do you wish you could just bring your own wine to every restaurant? Well, I think that uh, as somebody who's read a couple of, you know, 10,000 wine lists, it's frustrating when I see a list in which there are very few interesting options uh, when the options tend to be expensive. So obviously one hates to be forced to buy something expensive that you really don't want. Yeah, exactly. So under those circumstances, I would rather be able to bring my own wine. On the other hand, if there are some interesting wines there um, that I get to try and they're not terribly expensive, then I'm willing to so put the bill. So are they like... They're not buying, restaurants aren't buying their wine from the same liquor store that we're shopping in. Uh, Au contraire, a lot of it, they do. In the state of Pennsylvania, they do. That just, to me, then it's just kind of like, then they... But then they also special order additional wines if they want special wine. You got to think if anyone has any sort of wine list, some thought was put into it in regards to its relationship to the food being served. I would certainly hope so. Right. They didn't um, just willy-nilly put these bottles on there, though I'm sure you've encountered that too. Yes, to a certain extent. Um, You know, when you see a wine list that's, you know, the the white or red list is only five or six wines, it's hard to imagine a whole lot of thought went into that. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm at a seafood restaurant, the white wines are probably this acidic type that would taste good with seafood. You would hope that that would be available, but um, oftentimes the list is going to be pretty extensive, even though all the wine isn't necessarily matched to seafood. Um, They're trying to appeal to a broad range of customers. And there are some people, you know, who will only drink their trophy Cabernets, no matter what they're eating for dinner. So what do you do when you look at a wine list? What's your strategy? 
well, my first strategy is that I go to something that I know a lot about in order to gauge how expensive the list is. Okay. So I know a lot about Pinot Noirs. Mm-hmm. And so I have a very good idea of the retail price for many different wines. So I can usually find a number of wines on their list that I would know what the retail price is. Uh-huh. So I can get a gauge of how much the overall expense, yeah. expense, expensive the list is. Um, I then start looking for interesting, interesting things. Um, I, I love France, Italy, and I see what type of holdings that they have and what kind of, if there's any quote unquote bargains on the lists. Uh Uh, I'm a big fan of Brunello, um, which is a particular type of Italian, it's an Italian red wine. Uh, Most Brunellos on a list are going to be over $100 uh, because the retail price of the the bottles typically are around 50 to 60. Yikes. Uh, But I may find uh, a producer that I know, and this is why the producer is important, might find a producer that I know, which is good, and you know maybe it's eighty dollars, and hey, it's a steal. I mean, I guess if you know about it, then the restaurant probably knows about it too. So, how often do you recognize wines on a wine list? Most of the time, yes. What about a varietals? Is there usually yes. these five? Like, you're always going to have a Chardonnay, you're always going to have a Pinot Noir, you're always going to have a Cab, a Cab. What? Yeah. What are the ones that they're always going to have on the list? Uh, most likely they're going to have a Merlot. Uh, nowadays they're going to have a Pinot Grigio, uh, or, or if they're a little fancier, a Pinot Gris, and some type of Syrah or Shiraz. Depending on where it's from. Correct. So then maybe a strategy would be kind of trying to identify which wine on the list is each one of those. Like what, So what's their Merlot here? Because like, they might not say. Well, if it's American, it's going to be, it will say what the varietal is. But, you know, I think for people who are getting started, uh, they tend to be very cost conscious. Yeah. So I think that it's best to focus in on good wines that you're likely to find in a, on a wine list that, um, that uh, are approachable in terms of price. So, for instance, our friend, the, the Muscadet here. Muscadet. Yeah. Vouvray and Sancerre. Those are all Loire Valley wines. And they they are whites. Okay. Um, Reasonably priced reds uh, south of France. So they will say Côte d'Aron. Yeah. Um, There are what are called Côte d'Aron villages, so that they're a little more specific for the Côte d'Aron. And there is the entire Languedoc area. This is all France. Yes. Is this usually on a menu? Yes. How often is, do most wine lists have wines from around the world or are most wine lists domestic? Well, it depends on... Is it just as easy to get a foreign wine as it is to get a domestic wine? The type of wines I'm describing, yes, very much so. It depends on the restaurant and what their focus is. Uh, You know, if it's an Italian restaurant, it may have virtually all Italian wines and a couple of American wines thrown in. And not have any French wine. How would I even um, know what in on an Italian wine list that's all Italian wines? Like they're not gonna have the type. It's all gonna be like in Italian, and they're not even gonna have the varietal. Like, how will I have any clue what I'm or like? Should I just talk to the sommelier? Uh, short answer: Yes. 
Because there's no way, or I can Google them under the table. Like, what's... Well, and then you'll get more gobbledygook that won't help you. Yeah. I mean, you'll find out that, you know, the um, Barolo is a Piedmontese wine made from the Nebbiolo grape. Yeah. So how does that help you? Doesn't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess if there's a all-Italian wine list, you think they probably got a wine guy somewhere in there. Most likely. Yes. Right. If they're charging you $50 for a wine, they should have somebody there. Well, if they're good Italian wines, they're going to be a lot more than that. Okay. If they're charging you $100 for a wine, they should probably have someone in the room who can help you a little bit, right? I would agree. Because they're not... Like, that's only fair. You know, they shouldn't expect... The average person doesn't know what they're doing. Am I wrong? The average person will not know what they're doing, but the average person who goes to that restaurant and picks up the wine list may know what they're doing. So it's... It's a self-selected population. I realized also that we are doing this all wineless by the bottle, but I feel like there's a whole other art to doing wineless by the glass. What do you think? Or is it similar? Uh, obviously, you're not investing as much money when you buy something by the glass. Uh, the problem is that most bars and restaurants will only pour relatively low-end wines by the glass because they don't want to open expensive bottles. Yeah. Uh, A very few of them will have special nitrogen preservation systems so they don't mind pouring pouring out small quantities of a bottle because then the rest of the bottle isn't ruined. So... Normally, there's going to be some entry-level wines that are relatively inexpensive and then they may have... They may have one or two, you know, more expensive ones that they're they're willing to open. Okay. Okay. Um, so we've talked about how the lists are arranged, which is usually like white, red, rosé. We've talked about the information given, which is usually the producer. If it's America, probably the varietal. If it's a foreign like European wine, it'll probably have the region that it's in. And then it's also going to have the year. And if the wines are expensive, it's helpful to ask a sommelier to suggest something within your price range. You don't even, you don't even need to buy an expensive wine to enlist the, the help of a sommelier. Yeah. If they put it on the list, even if it's an inexpensive bottle of wine, it should be a reasonably good bottle of wine, and, and they should be happy to recommend it. So you would you could be like, I really like acidic wines. I just had a Muscadet, and it was really good. And, and they'll be right. like, oh, well, you'd probably like this acidic Correct. one. Correct. Or I like, you know, big, fruity American Pinot Noirs. Uh, you know, you have other fruity, you know, fruit-forward type wines that aren't particularly tannic. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. All right. I think that's helpful, especially if you're spending. I mean, also, it's like, do you think, though, on a wine list, for example, I was at a place the other day and I ordered the cheapest bottle of wine on the menu, which was $51. Now, if I had spent, I I picked that one because it was the cheapest one on the menu and I was like, well, cheapest one. But had I 
would it have been more worthwhile for me to call someone over and, you know, spend maybe $10 more to try something else? Do you think that that $10 range could have been the difference between the cheapest wine and like something pretty unique? I think uh, the short answer is yes. Uh And I think that if there are quote unquote bargains on the list, the sommelier knows where they are. Yeah. And that um, he should be willing to help you find them. And listen, everybody understands that if you're young and just starting out, you don't have a big wallet to spend on a, on a wine list. So they should be helpful mm-hmm. as far as guiding you to things that are reasonably priced. So like a Cote de Rhone or turns out most Zinfandels, even American, you know, American Zinfandels tend to be relatively inexpensive yeah. comparatively. So... I then would say, you know, my go-to is always cheapest, but maybe I should start being a bit more lenient and being like, oh, you know, 10, 20 more dollars could have me a better experience. I can call the sommelier over and, and explain, tell him what I'm eating and what I like. And for that 10 extra dollars, I might just get something. That right. you're, in a sense, you're paying for advice. Yeah, uh-huh. instead of just being like, cheapest, that one, please, the, that one. Um, other than that, what do you think? Uh, I guess we're good. I think we're good. I mean, yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you so much for listening to episode five, uh, an introduction to reading a wine list. Uh, please, I'm just really quickly going to say it would help a lot if you guys could subscribe rate and review us on itunes it would it help us spread the word of this podcast so much more so please take the five minutes of um it's not even five minutes much less than that two minutes to leave a review and if you screenshot your review and send it to me you'll get a shout out on the podcast for sure other than that um all updates on the show are best found on our instagram page at dad teaches me about wine Our email address for questions, suggestions, corrections can be found at dadteachesmeaboutwine at gmail.com. Other than that, I think we're good. So, yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cool.